Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. If it's your first time, thank you for joining us. If you are coming back to the cafe, welcome friend. It's good to have you here. As always, we're digging into God's word and we're in a good, good part of God's word. You know, there's things I love preaching about. That's typically God's love and all of these good things like his mercy, his grace, and certainly Garden of Eden, his creation. How great is that? I mean, really his whole creation, but certainly this is a fun time. Uh, Genesis 2 mentions God's creation. And so we have here that, you know, we have this uh, order of events where God created all of the necessary components for a world that we would see today, right? And that kind of caps off in verse 7 of Genesis 2, when God creates man out of the dust, amen, out of the dirt, God creates man. And then he becomes a living soul. And then very right the next verse here is where we're looking at verses 8 through 10 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So we see here, right, the next verse, all of the components are there, and now here comes the Garden of Eden. Verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Notice that in verse 9, that out of the ground the Lord God made to grow, not man. God did it. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So every kind of productive, beautiful tree. Uh, you know, when I think of a beautiful tree, and again, I'll beat this beach theme to death, I know, but I think of palmetto trees. You know, I spent many years in South Carolina. I love a palmetto tree. I always love them. They're beautiful. You see them everywhere there. And of course, palm trees are nice to look at as well. North Carolina, you got some nice trees. You know, you got cedar trees and pine trees and all kinds of really birch trees are very nice looking. God put those in the Garden of Eden. I don't know all the species, but I know they were beautiful and they were good for food. They're productive. Remember, at this time, we're we're kind of under the assumption, as far as we can tell, that man was eating just. They would, would have been a vegetarian essentially. They're just eating um, the 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 vegetables and fruits f- that God has provided. Okay, and so He put all of that in the midst of the garden. And by the way, He put two trees there: one, uh, the tree of knowledge, and the other, the tree of good and evil. Uh, and I'll read verse nine again: Out of the ground. May the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And so that is Genesis 2, 8 through 10. And we've been talking here in the last episode about how God is sovereign and how when we realize how he's in control, we can start counting our blessings, we realize that God is the one that made this garden, that made these trees, as mentioned there in verse 9, that brought all of this about. And then what does he do? He puts man in the garden to what? To tend to it, right? To live there. 
and to work there. And so God must want us to work. And yet at the same time, he's provided us such a great and wonderful place. And when we come back from the break here, we're going to talk about how the Garden of Eden could resemble a home. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. So we've talked about today and in the last episode about how, you know what, the Garden of Eden, if you search up the definition of the word Eden, it means paradise or pleasure, delight, luxury. That's what God gave man, not hardship, okay? And so picture that as a home. You know, Adam didn't know anything bad, right? He didn't need clothes, amen. He, uh, the com- when I was researching commentaries on this, one commentary said the sky was his ceiling, you know, like his, you know, the walls were just the garden, you know, I mean, like literally his home was here in this garden, what God had made. And he wasn't facing hardship. And at the same time, he would very soon uh, because sin enters the picture. But we see a picture here before sin entering of a great relationship between man and God and a man living as God had intended for him to live and not having all of the just awful, hard, difficult things that sin brings about. And in this world, so much of us are not living in the Garden of Eden. We are living in a broken, fallen, sinful world. And unfortunately, a lot of us fall into that bondage of sin, fall into that trap of sin where we get afar off from God. And we start prioritizing things that, that are worldly and carnal that have no eternal value. We forget about God's sovereignty. We forget about his great love for us. Because again, as mentioned in the last episode, the same God that made Eden for Adam is the same God that rules and reigns today in heaven, that will have his will be done, that every knee will bow to him, amen, that will judge righteously, amen, that will reward those that that are called overcomers, those that have been saved, those that seek the Lord, amen those that have humbled themselves before him. Amen. The Bible says that he'll raise up the humble and knock down the proud. And that's a paraphrase, but that's what it says. What about the Garden of Eden is man-made? You know, isn't that funny? Nothing is man-made. It's all God-made. God did this, this, and this, and here's what man's going to do. And yet here we are today, and we being people that are just trained up to covet everything under the sun, you know, to desire every man-made thing under the sun, you know, to live and work for these man-made things. You know, think about it. Uh, You know, let's say someone says, well, I don't want money. I want an award. Well, who made that award? Some, somebody with their own hands, right? And you're desiring to work for that award. Maybe you want respect and you're desiring to have man's respect. You know, these are just man things. They're not of God. You know, maybe you do covet, you know, uh, a certain home or car or boat or whatever, you know, did Adam need any of that in the garden of Eden? Now, I don't think God's calling us and I don't, I, I'm not God, obviously. <laughs> My wife can explain to you how flawed I am if anybody wants to know, but I believe the Lord wants us to live simply. And, and, and it's not that we can't enjoy things here on this earth. Okay. It's not like I'm saying, oh, go, you know, get rid of everything you have. But Jesus did tell the rich person to sell what he had and give to the poor and follow him. And the rich person was grieved because they wanted to follow him, but they loved their riches more. 
And so we see the parable in the New Testament. We have to understand it's applicable here in the Garden of Eden that Adam didn't have nothing, you know, of his own, right? God gave it to him. And presumably it was a very, very good place to be. And think of the dependency of man on God and, and nature on God. You know, what it, you know what it would be like if we could be that dependent on God. Because that dependency leads to such a wonderful relationship with God. God wants us to what? You know, what are the what are the things you hear in church or Bible studies or from the preacher or from, you know, uh, other ministries? What does God want us to do? Surrender, be obedient, amen, pursue him, love him with our heart, mind, and soul. What are these things lumped into that group called dependency? God wants us to be dependent upon him. And we're old and now everywhere we go, we're asked what our preference is and what we like and we can customize everything and make everything just how we want it. And so we become the captains of our own ship and it becomes very hard to relinquish that control. Very, very hard, very uncomfortable. And yet God calls us to do it because we see his perfect creation. All of that vegetation in the Garden of Eden, they were dependent upon God. Adam completely depended upon God. And that is the way that God's designed it. Now, you may say, I know what I like. I know what I need. I'm very fine on my own. But that is your limited knowledge. Whereas God knows how you're made. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knew you before you were even born. He knows everything about you. And God knows what you really need. So the irony of this is, is that it's hard to surrender control to God but it's the best thing for us. And so what looks like a sacrifice is actually a blessing. It's the, it's the poetic way of God. God's like, I want to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you the best, but because I'm going to give you the best, you got to get rid of the rest. And so many of us come to him saying, well, God, I kind of want to hold on to this. And God, I kind of want to hold on to that. When we must come completely and entirely ready to sacrifice whatever it is, ready to just give it up, to forsake it, to say, God, you are more. You are more than my desire to whatever it is. I had many plans as a young man. And over time, uh, I just gave it all to God so that I could say, God, I'm giving it all to you. Now, I haven't been perfect. I don't think every decision I've made has been God-ordained by far, but I've tried, amen. I go to God in prayer. I, I try to be obedient. And if I can do it, then you can do it because I'm, I'm nobody special. So if I can do it, you can do it. And the point I'm making is as we follow God and seek God, he'll bless us and we'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. We'll have rewards that won't rust and decay here on earth, but they'll be eternal in heaven. We will have a right mind about us. We'll be usable by God. Uh, we'll have uh, joy that's hard to explain, joy you know that's indescribable. We'll have a fellowship with God. We'll have a healthy prayer life when we're obedient. The Bible says, I believe it's in Samuel, that it's better to be obedient than to sacrifice. So instead of doing some big thing for God, amen, Just do the little things every day he calls us to do, to understand that his ways are not our ways. And when we understand he's in full control, then we know that we don't need to be in control. And you see that perfectly in the Garden of Eden, amen. And all of this, I mentioned the word dependency, but another one that you could think of in terms of themes thematically as we look at Genesis 2 is innocency. Innocence, amen. You know, we are to be like a child approaching God. 
And what is a child? At the heart, they're innocent. I look at my little kids and, you know, if an adult or someone were to tell them to do whatever, you know, go into the street or go upstairs or go outside, they would do it because they're innocent. They don't know any better. They're just going to follow the lead, you know, and, and, and I see the joy that they have. I mean, when they laugh and they get that belly laugh going and they're just cracking up, you know, uh, it's a joy that's, that an adult sometimes struggles to have because they're carrying the weights of this world and they're not innocent. You know, sin is kind of taken hold, et cetera. But a child truly has that innocency. And, you know, you correct a child and oftentimes they want to change. They want to do better. You know, they want to fix the, the whatever was wrong. Now, not all the time. And I know I'm speaking of younger children, okay? Parents of teenagers, I, I feel your pain. I'm speaking of younger children. but uh, And I'm sure there's some good teens out there. You just, you know, I'm sure they are. But uh, these young kids, they're innocent, right? And again, what is a teen? It's someone's been around long enough to really understand what sin is and oftentimes gets yoked up into it, like many of them do. You know, I was a teenager once, had many a problems that was from sin. So I'm not pointing a finger here, but these young folks, they're innocent often. And God calls us to be like little children and to just trust him and have faith in him. And that's what we see with Adam in the Garden of Eden. And we see this beautiful picture of what it must have been like for God to create something so perfect, so perfect that it's hard to imagine. Last thing I want to say here before we wrap up and get preview the next episode is that people try to find the Garden of Eden. And one problem, I believe, if you are a, a, a fundamental Bible believer, one problem you'll encounter with trying to find the Garden of Eden is that the flood hasn't occurred yet. And so in Noah's flood, which we believe, I believe, is true history, okay? When Noah's flood occurs, a lot of things change, amen? Answers in Genesis is a great resource that really dives deep into what changed. Another one is uh, is Genesis history. It's a documentary. I think they're making a second one. That's another great resource. But scientists, full-blown, bona fide scientists, give a lot of details as to what would happen in the earth with a global flood or what did happen and gives a lot of evidence to how we can see that, like these certain layers of sediment, certain ways that animals were fossilized, et cetera. And because of this, it'd be real hard to find the Garden of Eden. So if somebody says, let's go find that Garden of Eden, or why can't I find it? The answer may be that the flood changed the, the geography of the earth, and that is why it's hard to find. So next episode, we're going to get into those two trees that are in the Garden of Eden, and we're going to talk a lot more about that, the tree of uh, good and evil, uh, which is knowledge of good and evil, amen, and the tree of life. So we'll get into that and we'll be wrapping up these three uh, verses, eight, nine, and 10 of Genesis 2 on the next episode. So make sure you tune in. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, God bless, and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.